Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Well, awesome. Well, I love it. I see some visiting families here together. We see some cute little babies here. So congratulations on that. I love that babies are attending our Mother's Day service. So in celebration of Mother's Day, I have a very special message called Fearless. I love that mothers are fearless. It, it takes fearless moms to get up every day and do it over and over and over again to serve their families, to serve their children. And so we do just want to, again, say happy Mother's Day. And we'll be talking about a particular mother right out of the Bible who I believe really is a great example of what it means to be a fearless mom. But just to tell you something kind of funny, just yesterday we were going through some photos. My daughter-in-law, Heather, and I were putting some things on uh, the social media. And so maybe you already saw this, but I came across a picture of when I was a toddler. So probably two years old, all dressed up, going to, to church with my mom and my two older brothers. And um, I had younger siblings, but they didn't come along. My uh, uh, other little brother didn't come along until I was almost 12. And then a little sister when I was 16, for almost 12 years, I was the youngest. Yeah. That's right. And so, and then the rest of the time I was the oldest, I had a great life. But anyway, in this photo that we um, found, it, it actually showed that our granddaughter, Ada, who does attend church here and is two and a half, her and I look a lot alike at that age. And so I was talking with uh, our son, Aaron, and his wife, Heather, and Aaron was like, okay, we see the resemblance, but we're like, where does you know how um, Ada acts? Like, I don't know where she, how she acts. Like, Aaron's like, she doesn't act like me. And I said, well, I think I'm going to have to take credit for that too. <laughs> because you see, I had older brothers and for a while was the youngest too. And, you know, Ada's always pushing heavy furniture around to climb up. She wants to do whatever her big brother does. Nobody told her she's little. She just thinks she's big like her big brother. And it made me think of um, when I was growing up in Commerce City, which is a suburb of Denver, we used to get a lot of snow and my brothers would climb up on the house on the roof and then jump off into the, into the snow. So I did it too because they did it. So I'm like, I think she acts like me because that's what little sisters with big brothers do. But another thing that little sisters do, we learn from our big brothers what not to do. So one time my oldest brother who was five years older than me, he tied a rope to a tree limb and he wanted to play Tarzan. So he tied the rope and then he pulled it back and he got up on a back of a truck or a car and then went swinging, but forgot you should swing away from the tree. And he slammed right into the tree and broke his arm. And I got good news. I never broke one bone because I watched my brothers and took notes. Don't do that. So praise the Lord. Again, we're excited that all of you are here today to talk about fearless mothers. And it's found in we're going to be talking about the mother of Moses. Again, I think she's a great example of a very fearless mom. And we all joke about this. When you're raising children, nobody knows your name. You're just always referred to like, you know, the mother of Moses or the mother of whomever. So I did find one verse that actually gives us the name of Moses' mother. And so they're going to put up there for you. Exodus 6.20 talks about a man, Amram, who took a wife and her name was Jochebed. I might have said that wrong, but you know that she had Aaron and Moses. So there is a note of her name, and so we want to give some credit there. But in talking about this, in talking about um, Moses today, and as we go into what this family did for their child and what this mom did, we're going to um, kind of lay the story straight so you know what's going on. Because I've always heard, is it possible to raise our children in a sin-fallen world? 
a world that is so backwards from godly principles. And um, yes, it is. And we can see this as such a great example, again, of a fearless mom and what she did for her children. So just to get us going, so we're all on the same page, turn with me to Exodus 1. We're going to look at 6 through 9 so we can see what's going on. And it says, um, actually, we don't need to start there. Let's start in Exodus 1, verse 6. I might have said that wrong. But it says how Joseph died, all of his brothers and all that generation. But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied and grew exceedingly mightily, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt. Everyone say a new king. And he didn't know Joseph. So he didn't know the good. He didn't know what had happened. He didn't know history. It's interesting to me that wickedness tries to steal history. They try to take away what good happened, or even sometimes we need to know what went wrong so we don't repeat it. There are some countries who say the Holocaust never happened, just to give you an example. And um, we see people trying to rob people of history, and, and so you see a good example here why it's not good to forget history. So this person, this new king over Egypt, didn't, didn't know anything about Joseph. And so he said, look, the people of, this is verse 9, of children of Israel are more mightier than us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them. And as they multiply in the event that, of a war that they join our enemies and fight against us, not knowing, again, how they really helped. Um, let's go ahead and read just a little bit further in verse 11. So they set taskmasters over them to afflict them and, with their burdens and built out for um, Pharaoh's supply cities. But then they afflicted them even more in verse 12, but they multiplied and grew. They were the, in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar, in brick, in all manner of service and field, and their service in which they made them serve with rigor. In other words, they really tried to make their life hard. So the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name, one was Shipra, and the name of the other, Pua, and he said, when you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women, you see them on the birth stools. If it is a son, then you shall kill him. If it's a daughter, then you shall let him live. What a crazy rule. In verse 17, bit the midwives. Everyone say, bit the midwives. Feared God. They put God, they put their trust in God above this crazy king. And they did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they saved the male children alive. And I like it that when we put godly values and we put our trust in God, that he takes care of us. And it shows us, skip down to verse 21 and 22, and it says, and so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided. Everyone say, he provided. He provided house, households for them. He provided for them. So Pharaoh commanded all of his people, saying, every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter they shall save alive. So what just a crazy rule. And we see this. Each generation has their own challenges. I've often heard it say, can you possibly raise children in the world today? Ever since sin has existed, we live in a, what's called a sin-fallen world. You have an angel that rebelled in heaven and fell. That is the enemy to God. That is Satan, the devil, the deceiver. He hates God so much, he hates everything that God created. So you have an enemy, but it is not God. Everyone say, God is not my enemy. So there is a great deceiver because you, he has no power over you. The devil, Satan, has absolutely no power over you. It's just the same old game, to deceive. 
And what he's trying to do, we're going to be talking about today, fulfilling your destiny, protecting the anointing in our children, but even in us, if you're here today, you need to understand that you have an anointing on your life. But the deceiver will try and derail you, distract you, and really steal your identity. If you remember, this has been going on since the beginning of time. It happened to Adam and Eve. Is that really who God is? Is that really who you are? He tried to plant seeds of doubt. But he has, I got good news for you, he has no power over you. So yes, we can raise our children to do great exploits for the Lord. It's really empowering them. But we're going to talk about fulfilling your destiny and protecting that anointing. Again, we're talking about fearless mothers, and this is a great example. Because you think, well, of course, why wouldn't you protect your child? But how easy is it to always do that? We're going to look in Exodus 2.2, and it says, so the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful child, she hid him for three months. I like this story. Maybe it's really close to my heart where I have three sons. And I don't know if anyone's ever tried to hide a baby. You know, the only way they can communicate is cry loudly. And so when you, you know, we read this story, it's really amazing that this family, again, you know, took this baby and protected him. And I like it. So it is said again in there, when she saw that he was beautiful child, she hit him. Some of your translations will say beautiful. Some of your translations may say she saw he was a healthy baby. I believe this mother, I believe these parents saw the anointing on their child's life, that he was to fulfill his destiny, that he was called to something great. And so they went in, again, like I said, to protect that anointing so he could fulfill his destiny. So there were steps taken, and I love this because... What I see in God, when we put our trust in him, just like these midwives, or when we put our trust in him above anything else, we can all look and say, there are miracles that really he came and worked mightily on our behalf. And so let's look at Exodus. We're still in chapter two, but verse three and four. So um, it says, when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dabbed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and... um, laid it in the reeds by the river's bank, and his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. You could say this was a family family event here. I love it. And this is where the miracle really begins in this story. Skip down in verse um, 5 through 9 with me. So then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it in. And when she opened it, She saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is the one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew woman, that she may nurse a child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you wages." So the woman took the child and nursed him. And I like when I read this years ago and saw that this mother was paid to be the mom, I was like, I'd like some wages. (laughs) I mean, do you see this story, the miracles around this story that they wanted to make sure their children, their son, fulfilled his destiny, protected the anointing, and then trusted God to help them. And um, amazing, isn't it, that sometimes we think what can be the worst, somehow God makes it work out. Of all places, for this little 
ark with a baby in it, of all places to go right to what you would call the enemy, right there, surrounded with pagans. And yet we're going to see what happens. And I love it that the daughter had went along and followed, so she was there to volunteer the mother to come be his mother and get paid. And what's really neat when you understand history, for example, when I was raising my children, you would say you would nurse them till they were a year old and wean them. But in this history and culture and time, a nurse would be with them for, you know, around five to seven years, which you all know you learn a lot when you're five to seven years old. And then, of course, even after that time, the nurse would be just part of the family. So his own mother was right there, even though he went to the most interesting place. And haven't we all heard the best thing to do is keep your enemies close? So then you know what's going on. I mean, you just see how miraculous God was in this um, story. And so I want you to turn with me. Well, you're still there. Let's look at, we're talking about, you know, fulfilling your destiny, protecting your anointing. But this next part, I want you to see Exodus 2.11. So Moses has been raised. He's still living there in that house. But now he's grown. And it says in verse 11, now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens and saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. Did you ever catch this? Did you ever ask yourself, how did he know, because he was adopted, how did he know that the Hebrews were one of his brethren? Who taught him the truth? Who imparted the truth to him? His mother and even his, his mother and adopted mother knew their true identity. And because this mother was with him at all this crucial time and imparted and taught him about who God was, and even though he lived in the midst of absolute pagan lifestyle, worshiping carved images, I believe his mother taught him who the real God is and had taught him the stories of how God shows up for his children and God works mightily on their behalf. Turn with me to Psalm 119. So we can teach our children, we can impart the truth to them so that no matter where they are, no matter what's going on in our culture, like when they say, you don't feel comfortable in your own skin, you can say, yes, I do. So I won't go into detail. But anyway, Psalm 119, 10 through 11 says, with my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. How do we get the word in our heart? How do we hide it there? It comes with time, with spending time in the word, spending time with God. And so we can get the word in us so that we always know what is truth and what is not, what is truth and what is not. God's word gives it, is the best place to find truth. So no matter what's trending, we know it is real, really real. Praise the Lord. And it tells us parents how to do this when we have children, I love it. The Bible is full of knowledge and wisdom. Did you know that we can ask for wisdom in every area, no matter where we're at, whether we're raising children that we just had or they're already grown? Maybe um, you didn't know this, the Lord when you were um, adult, when you were raising your children. So maybe you're right now praying for your children. But I love it that we can ask for wisdom and he'll give it to us liberally. He will give us parents as moms wisdom for each of our children, for each one of them. Because don't you know that God loves them even more than you do? And so I love this in Deuteronomy 6. We're going to look at verses 3 through 9. 
And it says, therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 5, you shall, what does it say? Love the Lord your God with what? Just whatever's left over at the end of the day because we're all really busy people. Now it says, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. You know we're made up of a spirit, body, and soul, and the Lord God wants to be first place in every area of our life. And when you say, I'm going to love God with everything, what's that day going to look like? What's that year going to look like? What kind of decisions are we going to make? If we really say, God is first, and I'm loving him with everything, it's really going to help lead our steps to the right places. And then I like what it goes on and says, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You might want to circle your heart. It's pretty hard to teach or impart something if it's not already in you. We have to have it in us if we want to share it with others. And verse 7, it says, you, after you get the word in your heart, you shall teach them what? Twice a year for your fanatic when it's Easter and Christmas Eve? What's that word? Diligently. What do you think diligently means? All the time. Every day. And I like how it says, it gives us instruction here. You don't just stop there. It makes it very plain, simple, and easy. But it says, teach them diligently the word of God to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. It goes on to say, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on the gates. But I like it, what it says when you walk, when you talk, when you lie down. In other words, this is a, a lifestyle of love, not law. It's a lifestyle. I love it that when we get together with our friends, what do you talk about when you meet people for lunch or have coffee? You talk about God and you share the testimonies and the stories. Well, why wouldn't you do that with your own children? You know, dinner time, breakfast and dinner time was always a big deal to me, even though um, everyone was really busy. Those were our times that we came together to talk about God and magnify Him. What we were trying to be very careful to do when we came together, we never just magnified or talked about lack. Lack was never mentioned at the dinner table, never mentioned. We would tell our, our children scriptures like, all things are possible with God. God will supply everything you need to do what he's called you to do. He will make sure you have the provision to do what you're called to do so that you can fulfill your destiny. And so it tells us how to do that. And we're going to just look really um, quickly because we're talking about the truth. Turn to John. We're trying to share some scriptures in the Old and New Testament. But in John 1.14, and it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of, what's that say? Grace and truth. Hallelujah, the Lord is full of grace and truth. Skip down to verse 16. And of his fullness, we all have received. Say, I have received grace for grace. When you study that out in another translation, it says we have all um, out of his fullness in abundance. Everyone say that word, abundance. We've all received, all had a share, and been supplied with one grace after another. Spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. That's what we want to teach God, our children about God, that he is an abundant God, and he has blessed all of us with gifts upon gifts, grace upon grace. 
It's so sad to me when people really grow up thinking that God is their enemy, God is after them, God is pursuing you with his love and mercy. And so I love this. We're going to turn to Genesis 1. It's just good to have these. These are basic things. Like, whose image are we made in? So are you trying to tell me that I was never scum on the rock that the sun hit in Shazam? No, we weren't made with Shazam. <laughs> We're made in the image of God. I love it that when I was young and I was so excited and as I got older and was reading for myself and I, I can remember being just really little and thinking, I'm going to read the Bible for myself. And I couldn't even get past Genesis because I'm like, this is amazing. Because again, in the culture, in the world, you don't hear this. They, how many people go around like when you're checking out, getting groceries, they say, man, you're looking good. You look just like God. You know, it's just not uh, something everyone's talking about. And so I love it that in, we're going to look at Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Remember, we're talking about teaching and imparting the truth. Everyone say, the truth. So it's good to start in the beginning here. But I love it that John, or Genesis 1, 26 says, Then God said, let us make man in whose image? So whose image are you made in? God's. According to our likeness, so personality, intellect, let them have dominion, underline that, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female. God created. He created us. But I like this. It goes on in verse 28 and says what? We were created, and then God himself blessed us. Go ahead and nudge the person next to you and say, you are blessed by God. Yeah, thank you. I see some double bumping going on. That's good. You want to get everyone around you. So I like it how God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. We have authority over every demonic force. You have authority. You have authority. And, um, and it just goes on, every, again, everything that moves. But I, and I like it. It gives this um, exhortation to be fruitful and multiply. In the culture today, everything is all about coming to an end, stopping. Don't grow, you know, financially you're supposed to go broke and you're supposed to go broke here. And things that they are doing to people causes them not to ever be able to reproduce. So anything that's causing something against God's word, you probably want to stay away from. We are to multiply in every area of our life. And again, the culture will tell you otherwise. But remember, we're talking about, can we raise children? Can we fulfill our destiny and protect the anointing and teach the truth everywhere we go? Whether we have family, whether we're here, or just whatever God's called you to do, we are to impart the truth. And it comes from what's the best source to get the truth? You mean you shouldn't Google it? You mean don't get it from a commercial on TV? want to go to the real source. Hallelujah. So teach and part the truth, and it comes from the Word of God. And then it's also important to understand, to teach and understand, what about healthy relationships? Where should we get information about healthy relationships? Some of those reality shows, I'm like, are you kidding me? You can, how can you even pay? There's not enough money to do that. You can't pay me enough to sit around and watch that nonsense. But I love it that it tells us really how to serve in the home, serve each other, 
serve in the workplace, serve in our communities. And this is found in Colossians 3, 17 through 24. And I like how it starts out, whatever you do, you know, do it as as unto the Lord in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then be thankful, give him thanks. Well, there's an idea. Be a thankful, happy person about when you're serving. Then it goes on and says, wives, submit your own husbands as fitting in the Lord. I submit to my husband as he submits to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things for this well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants are people in the workplace. Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with just eye service as men pleasers, but in the sincerity of heart, fearing God. And I love how it sandwiches all this up in serving 23 and 24. And again, it says, and whatever you do, do it as heartily as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive a reward of inheritance for you serve the Lord Jesus. We will receive an inheritance from the Lord Jesus. He will reward us. Has anyone ever noticed that serving in the homes, serving in the workplace is usually very repetitive? Did anyone ever dust their home this past month? I say past month, I'll just be honest. Anyone dust your home? Guess what? It probably needs it again. Has anyone ever changed a baby's diaper? Like in the beginning of the day, do you think it would last for the day? Not usually. It usually is very repetitive. But I like what it says. How do you intercharge and be excited about every day, about getting up and serving all over again? We're all serving in some capacity. When you do it as unto the Lord, that's what energizes you and gets you excited because I know that God's watching me. People might not be following me around, but God sees and he knows my heart. And he will reward me in all that I serve and do. And so we want to raise our children like that. And so um, I have it too. Um, They'll have it up there. I'm trying to move just so we get done here. But Ephesians 6.4 talks about fathers leading. And I like how when you study it out, it's talking about fathers, take them by the hand and lead them in the way they should go. It's about leading, not beating people up and trying to break their spirit. I love that Hebrews 25 tells us, remember we're talking about healthy relationships and parting the truth. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. Don't you love that we can come together on a regular basis to exhort one another? I love it that we all have something to impart and share with one another, to hold someone's hand, to pray for them, exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Praise God. You know, I have such happy memories of growing up and going to, to church, and my mother just served as a, um, a vocalist and musician for years, and so we just always went and, like I said, served and learned about God, learned the Bible stories, and it was a journey. Both my husband and I grew up in very traditional churches, and um, I loved it because you still learned about God, and you still... Um, learned the Bible stories, and were taught how to serve. But when I was 13 years old, my mother said, you know, we're going to go to that church where there was rumors that people were hanging from the chandeliers and rolling in the aisles. And, you know, as a teenager, I'm like, that's great. Let's go. And so um, we went to one of those Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost churches. And I love what my husband said, you know, we were taught maybe the Holy Who, but this church, this was real. The Holy Spirit was welcome, and there was a manifestation of his presence. It was awesome. But I remember walking in the first time and looking up and seeing no chandeliers. 
But again, I experienced the manifestation of God and how he moved in that unconditional love that you know that's the presence of God. That is his love and mercy. It changed my life forever. And so I just have a couple more points, and this is the next one I want to get to, really fanning the flame for our children and even for ourselves. We never stop growing. And I call this practical trade, fan the flame. This is found in Proverbs 22.6. Like I said, we never stop growing. We're always learning. But there's, again, things we can do for our children. So no matter what, we can raise them to love God. And I love that Proverbs 22.6 says this, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. And when you study this out, it's talking about with his individual gift or bent. We're to nourish those gifts or anointings in their life. And it, I call it fanning that flame. So then there's short-term and long-term goals. And another translation says, so when they're old, they won't be lost. You know, we don't want to grow up never understanding what our purpose is, our destiny. And again, this is just something it's so troubling to me to see young people give up on life. They should be so full of purpose and joy and vision. And so we want to fan that, fan that flame, protect that anointing on them, and raise them with purpose, nurturing those gifts and praying, just always keeping them in prayer. Remember, God will give us wisdom. God loves our children. And if you turn to Psalm 126, it talks about this a little bit more. Psalm one, or 127, verse 4, it says, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. What is an arrow's purpose? What are we supposed to do with an arrow? You want, you want it to hit the target. But you know, when you think about years ago, if you were taking a stick, there's no such thing as a straight stick. They all have bins in them, imperfections. So you would take them and work with those bins because you wanted that arrow to fly as fast and as far as it could because you wanted to hit the target. So that's what we want for our children, but that's what God wants for all of us here today, to fulfill our destinies, hallelujah, to fan that flame and hit our target. We all have purpose. Everyone here does. And I like, again, how if you remember we're talking about Moses and how he was raised really among the pagans and where they, you know, idol worshiped, but his mama taught him who the real God was. And I love it how all of his education was provided for. He had probably at that time what would have been considered, you know, some of the best education. And look at um, Philippians 4.19 with me. Can anyone quote that off the top of the head? My God... Some of you are saying it. Okay, so say this with me. My God. Do you know who God is? Woohoo! I know who God is. My God shall supply, say, shall supply all my need according to his glory, riches and glories, thank you, by Christ Jesus. I like how it says it in another translation. It says, and my God on the scale of his wealth will fully supply. Everyone say, fully supply. In Christ Jesus, your every need. In other words, his inexhaustible resources. We're talking about Moses had to call on his life and everything he needed was provided. Even his family was provided. There was no lack. 
Moses' mother didn't suffer lack. Moses didn't suffer lack. He was being trained and getting ready for what God had for him. And my husband and I are talking, like I mentioned, in case maybe this is your first time here, we had three sons, and it was our middle son who really felt um, called to go to Colorado School of Mines to study engineering, but he also was very good in music and in sports, and so he had an offer to go to Sear Boulder with a full, or with a music scholarship and even an engineering scholarship, but he really felt called to go to this other college. And then he was even um, called by the football coach. They said, we'll give you an athletic scholarship to come, you know, to help with a little bit with your um, college education. But he said, no, I'm not going to accept that athletic scholarship because I, I need to go home on the weekends to help my parents with their church. And so, and you know, so what was interesting where most people were sleeping in on Saturdays, he would be up and he just started filling out and applying for scholarships and filling out all those essays. And he kept just getting a lot of scholarships by getting up and looking for himself to apply for different scholarships. Like I said, he would get so many, they would try to take him away. And he, he didn't let that bother him. He's just like, I'll get more. It's not a problem. We were talking, um, you said maybe 500. I don't think he graduated in three years with straight A's, went on to get his master's in four years. And I, I think you said we might, might have paid $500. It was just paid for. We taught our kids. Remember, we always talked at the dinner table, God will supply. All things are possible with God. We never talked about lack or what was going on, what the news says about the economy or who the king is or who the president is. We talked about who God is. And he provided. And um, so praise God. He supplies any, anything that we are called to do. And it does take faith. It does take trust. But he will provide everything you need to fulfill that call on your life. And I'm just going to um, end with this. This is my last point. But answer the call. There was a time that, you know, God spoke to Moses and he had to answer the call. We all have a call in our life. We all have a choice to make. And I feel like this is a graduation message. <laughs> Maybe God set us all up here today. That was for somebody here. That was some, for somebody. So I like this in Exodus 3, verse 4. It says, so when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look, God called to him. He looked at the burning bush. Well, that would get your attention, wouldn't it? a bush that was burning but not consumed. He, God saw that he turned aside to look and God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And um, let's go ahead and look down to verse seven through 10. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, a land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, he wanted to bring them to a place of abundance. I'm just going to skip on down to verse 9, 9 and 10. It says, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will what? send you. Go ahead and turn to the person next to you and say, God is sending you. It says, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I really believe that we are all called to lead people to freedom, to impart the truth that God loves them, that God is for them, that they have an amazing life, that there is hope, not dread. We are all to shine that glory. When we ask Jesus in our life, that glory is shining for the dark world to see. 
And we need to open up our mouth. We need to answer the call and do what the Lord says. I'm just going to end with this. My time is up. I've waited a whole year to do a lot of talking, but I know you all have other plans. So I'm going to wrap it up. <laughs> in case you don't know exactly what you're called to do, I love how it says what we are all to do, to be the salt and the light. And I'm going to read it again. This is Matthew 5, 13 through 16, but I'm reading another translation. I like what it says. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? And then I'm just going to skip down. It says, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket. Turn the person next to you and say, don't be a bucket head. I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on the hilltop, on that light stand, shine. Everybody say shine. <laughs> Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with this God, this generous Father in heaven. So we're to be the salt and the light. We all have a destiny to fulfill. God loves you so much. You have authority. Take your authority. Live the life that God has for you. And just one more thing that I think is so important for today. You know, we're talking about can we raise children today? Yes, and we can have peace in our home. Isaiah 54, 13 says, All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. We can live and have peace knowing that God is for us and not against us. Say again, God is not my enemy. God is for me. He has an abundant, overflowing, good life for me. And I'm so excited. I'm going to share it with everyone I, I see. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.